This is Rugger Matrix International, episode 187, Sun Rises. Today, Peter Hewitt's in the studio talking Japanese rugby, super rugby and European rugby. It's all ahead. As always, Rugger Matrix is brought to you by Strike, Australia's leading provider of Bluetooth car kits and other handheld devices. Make sure you get your cradle today. If you get caught, it could cost you big time. Strike.com.au will give you 10% off if you enter the code RuggerMatrix on checkout. So make sure you look after your driving today. Check out Strike.com.au. Rugger Matrix also brought to you by MyBean.com.au. Coffee direct from the roaster to you and they sell at roaster's prices. Hello and welcome to episode 187 of Rugger Matrix International and it is called Sun Rises, and we will explain in detail what that means as Mark Cashman joins me. And Cash Cow, the Cash Cow Enterprises have been busy with the Major League Baseball in Sydney two matches. Opening series, Bronk, uh, over 90,000 people went to see the baseball, the LA Dodgers and the Arizona Diamondbacks. But uh, listen, we did the programs for them, uh, and it was a great publishing success. Very proud, first step in the, uh, in the new venture, mate. All right, very good indeed, and uh, I've received an invoice from you too for another gig, and uh, I think I'm going to have a bit of revenge there, so you might get paid in about <laughs> 10 years' time. All right, let's go to the wide shot, and here he is, Peter Hewitt. The H-bomb himself <laughs> is uh, joining us, coaching at Suntory now. Uh, of course, the former Inverell fullback, didn't win a title, but I did, and uh, of course, Waratahs, Manly Marlins... And, uh, you know, everything else in between. Uh, Peter Hewitt, thanks for joining us. No worries. Thanks for, thanks for having me. What a, what a great studio we have here, Bronk. Things have definitely changed since the last time I spoke to you. <laughs> yeah, we have uh, spruced it up. And you're a wide uh, traveller around the world. So we thought you'd we'd put on a fair display for you. Because London Irish as well, uh, I forgot to uh, mention them. So we might talk a bit about uh, what's happening mm-hmm. in European rugby. Because you've certainly played a lot of rugby all over the world and uh, I know your thoughts are in Japan at the moment in, in the coaching realm. Uh, firstly, can you give us an update on one of our good mates, uh, Eddie Jones, who had a stroke? Uh, and, you know, this is just an amazing story considering that we had Michael Liner, who not long ago had a stroke, Casho, and uh, just recently confirmation that uh, uh, Pierre Iwepu uh, also had a stroke uh, for the Auckland Blues, the uh, All Blacks uh, scrum half. So... Uh, Peter Hewitt, what's the latest on our friend Eddie Jones? Yeah, no, he's uh, he's travelling well. Uh, you know, I think it's going to take more than a stroke to keep to keep Eddie Jones down. Uh, you know, you got that right. As as we all know, he's uh, you know he's a strong guy, and uh, you know, it looks like uh, he's going to make a full recovery. Um, you know, he's changed his lifestyle a little bit. Um, you know, he's doing his rehab um, you know, every day. So, uh, you know, he's, he's taking it as a, as a new start, as a new life, and, uh, um, you know, he's still... He's still... Uh, still get angry? Get cranky? Uh, no, no, he's all good. He's all good. <laughs> um, but, no, the, the best thing about it is he's going to make a full recovery. That's so, great news. Yeah. Exceptional news in a cash cow. Absolutely. Here we just uh, just on the uh, on the Eddie Jones uh, front, has he still got that edge to him? He hasn't lost any of that analytical brain that uh, that he's uh, that he's renowned for, and he's you know like he he doesn't suffer fools even no, now. I'd imagine. No, definitely not. Uh, you know, he's he's definitely all over everything. Uh, he's still watching you know a lot of rugby uh, from all over the world. Uh, you know, whether it be university rugby in Japan or 
you know, so, um, you know, Premiership in, in London or the UK. Um, so he definitely hasn't, hasn't lost that, that edge to him. And he, uh, he's always keeping us updated what's happening around the world with rugby. All right, so you're really busy in Japan. Uh, we're going to talk a bit more about Japan towards the end of the show. But first of all, I think uh, you'd be of um, one of the players uh, or players in the game who'd be very interested in see what's happening in Europe, having been involved uh, with London Irish. And it appears the deal has been hanging around for some time now to, to re-energise the Heineken Cup through media deals is about to be done. So I guess... The good news is that we'll have a competition going forward soon, and it's just, I guess, you know, dotting some I's and crossing some T's. Uh, you've been going through it. What's the deal look like to you, Peter? Yeah, well, from from what I've read uh, over the last couple of days, it's 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 a massive deal. Um, you know, it's 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 game changing. Uh, you know, I heard the deal's somewhere around about you know over 104 million per year for five years. So mm. um, I'm not big on maths, but that's about 520 million. Uh, which is a lot, a lot of money, um, you know, and it just it makes everything that much bigger over in, over there now. Obviously, the salary cap's bigger, um, you know, the average salary's bigger, mm. so it's going to be uh, you know a real, I think, issue moving forward in terms of stopping players from going over over to to Europe. And also, uh, Huey, obviously, the, the French competition, the top fourteen. That's still chugging along very nicely. They're getting a lot of cash out of their particular TV deals, and also Japan. So there's there's a lot of rivalry for uh, for talent around the world. And listen, to be honest, so you know, I I, I think uh, one of the things that uh, is going to work with uh, with Australian rugby about keeping our talent here is is combining, budding up with some of the uh, with some of the, the Japanese leading teams, and having contracts that actually. You get paid a certain amount in Japan. You come back here and play Super Rugby, a bit of Test Rugby, then head back, head back to Japan, maximising incomes. Is that is that something that's uh, being worked on by different clubs uh, there in Japan at the moment? I'm not sure whether it's actually being worked on by um, individual clubs, but you're getting more of it now. Um, getting asked by by players if they can um, obviously come over to to Japan and then come back for the Super Rugby. You're getting a lot of players doing it now, um, but also just it's going to come back to us keeping as many players as we can, us being Australia in Australia. Um, and also with that sort of NRC competition is making that a good competition so we do get good development through through all, all cycles of our, of our play. How important was it to, um, to the global game to get the European deal right? Because it, it, we you know, always say the grass is greener on the other side of the fence but you've experienced the game in the south and in the north how important was this deal to happen would there have been significant ramifications for the world game if there was a stalemate or we didn't have a heineken cup replacement oh 100 percent. i think uh obviously i've played in the heineken cup and uh look it's one of the best competitions in the world to play in um and i think if that was to be finished i think it'd be a, a, a massive downturn and disaster for rugby over there and I think we need like obviously the Super Rugby we need our best clubs playing in a competition 
to to uh, expand our game and to you know, put our game on the world stage. One of the things about the European deal here is, is the fact that it uh, it delves down. It's not just the top 20 teams that are going to be involved. There's another competition under that. That's drawing in a lot of the rugby talent from uh, from Eastern Europe. And uh, as you know from your time, your tours were there with, uh, with the Waratahs, Russia, a lot of those, uh, Romania, a lot of those sort of areas are... Uh, uh, areas where where, where rugby where, is really is taking uh, <laughs> is big. It yeah. was big there. Yes, that's right. Absolutely. Yeah, very big. Tar TV back in uh, two thousand and five. I think yeah. I was over hundred kilos as well. <laughs> <laughs> but you know, like it's 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 all enveloping, and it, it's good for the game you know, on a number of fronts. Hundred percent. Like you see, you see more. You also see more of those uh, of those countries now. Obviously, playing well with the sevens, mm. they're developing their game through that. And also their players are getting more experience in that Europe, Europe culture. So I think if they're sort of playing more in Europe and there's more teams and more funds to send them to Europe, well, the, the game's going to expand and it's only going to be good for our game if it's, if it's expanding. Well, Peter, um, let's uh, look ahead to the action this weekend in the quarterfinals. Uh, a couple of blockbusters coming up there. And you know, a team that's been impressive over recent years, Ulster, you know, must be very... Uh, you know, I know Kissy's very impressed with the way they've been travelling recent yep. times against Saracens. Um, I, I think um, if you look at the, all the matches, you know, you know, Leicester Tigers, they're always there, aren't they? Yep, yep. And Munster, of course. Well, you look at the, the four quarterfinals and, and they're pretty much the same. The same teams are there year in, year out. You've got Munster and Toulouse, uh, Clermont and, and Leicester, uh, Ulster and, and Saracens and, and as you said Len, uh, Toulon and Leinster like they're, mm. they're massive massive clubs um, these are the big clubs aren't they yeah. I mean they represent Europe well exactly and if you look if you look over the history uh, you know those eight clubs have been there pretty much a lot of the time um, and they're four massive games four massive games who do you think's going to win it? Uh, it's tough to go for me, it's tough to go past Toulon again. Like you look at their squad, you look at their squad on paper. They've got world class players from one to say twenty eight. Oh, yeah. <laughs> it's amazing, isn't it? Thirty two. Yeah, Thirty six. Yeah. So in terms of depth and quality, it's hard to go past Toulon for me. Home home ground advantage is is vital in all these things. You know, look, you know, look at that uh, the fortress up at Ravenhill there for Ulster, and yep. you know, Kissy mentioned uh, the replacement for uh, Brian O'Driscoll could well be a Kiwi Bronco. I'm getting the feeling, uh, Jared Payne. Really? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, so, in, right. interesting thoughts there. So obviously he he's going to be on show there at uh, at Ulster, but uh, listen, I think all those home teams heavily favoured to win win their uh, win their quarterfinals. Um, yeah, of course, and uh, you know you did mention Leinster and uh, Munster, the powerhouses of uh, Irish rugby, just representing again. Uh, I think uh, this time of the year is really important to um, then assess uh, how you are getting through the year physically. We talked to Rocky a couple of weeks ago about how you manage your players. Now, if we go down south now and watch where the Waratahs. Uh, got absolutely bashed by the Sharks at the weekend. They're in a difficult position now. They've got to play the Stormers uh, this weekend. And, uh, you know, backing up after a game like that so early in the season, uh, there's a long way to go. There's a lot of test matches to play. So some of these players are going to be, Ted said, brutalised. I mean, how do you think they will be feeling physically now, um, given the fact they've had a really good off-season? But they are now heading into the second leg of their South African series, and under the pump too. 
Yeah, well, obviously this part of the season, you're not you're gonna you're not gonna have a lot of gains. You're not gonna make a lot of games uh, gains in the gym and, and on the rugby field. You're sort of just uh, teetering things a little bit, um, sort of from week to week, depending on who you're playing. And in the gym, and you just gotta try and keep guys as fresh and sparked up um, as best as you can, because you're not gonna get massive. You're not gonna get PBs in the gym. So all that work, all the hard work in the gym and on the running tracks being done in the preseason. So the the best thing now is to try and keep. Uh, guys spark, sparked up and as fresh as they can be for, for the game on Saturday. But it's harder when your head gets taken off. And I know <laughs> Rob Horn's uh, attack on France Stain was uh, was pretty blatant. But uh, also I thought uh, I thought the worst tackle was Stain on Kirtley Beale. He got him on the merry-go-round yeah. and you're really helpless in that situation. Who do you reckon that's worth in oh. terms of uh, punishment? I think you, I think it's as you say it's one of the worst because you, you you've got no control mm. whatsoever you're pretty much it's you're like a speed tackle really exactly, isn't it in the air no control and as you can see Kirtley's sort of head flung back and hit the ground you know, it's not it's not a good look and yeah you know, he had plenty of time to, to pull out of that tackle so uh, I'm not a commissioner but <laughs> well the unfortunate thing about the whole thing is is the commissioner gave uh, gave France Stein a, a, an off field yellow card. And Rob Horn got uh, got one week, which to me, on both fronts, seems seems a bit uh, a, a bit light on. To be honest, I, yeah. I thought Rob might be uh, on the sidelines for uh, three, maybe four weeks. I, mm. His records are uh, pretty good, but listen, that was a, a pretty clear hit on the melon. And uh, as as you guys were saying, that t- that tackle on Curley was dangerous. It was reckless, oh, it was and ordinary. it was dangerous. It was, reckless. It was, it was premeditated, it. which brought, brings us to the uh, targeting. Of Kirtley Beale that's gone on from about right round one this mm. year. It's uh, it really is uh, is pretty hard on him. And uh, yeah, listen, he, he he could be knocked out of the game within the next uh, month or two, really. Yeah, we we're talking about this today, Peter, and uh, I, I said that uh, I've already been through this from a media point of view with uh, Stephen Larkham, and I know Rob McQueen was trying to get the message out there all the time. It would be better if he actually stood up for the player in the press rather than trying to get other people to do it. But Stephen Larkham was constantly hit off the ball. I'm not saying Curly Beale's being hit constantly off the ball illegally, but he is being targeted. Pat McCabe got him in a special in Canberra. And, of course, Mornay Stain, as we just talked about, sorry, not Mornay Stain, but Fran Stain, uh, got him in South Africa. And clearly they're unsettling him. Peter, are you seeing this and, and are you surprised that uh, the teams are targeting uh, Curly Beale in this way? Uh, definitely not surprised. Um, you know, you always want to you want to target your opposition's you know, best players, mm. um, and if you can sort of put put them off their game, well, you go. It's all worked at the weekend. Exactly. Uh, you can see it in rugby league now with you know teams sort of targeting the Burgess brothers. You hear about that mm. all all the time now. So it's, there's a bit of chat there as well. <laughs> <laughs> but it, it's it's. Every every coach, every team talks about it. Who's their best player? You target them, mm. you know. And if it's a nine wheel Genia, they're they're all getting pressure. So um, it's definitely not surprising to me. But um, what is surprising is you know some of the the lateness of the hits. Um, I think that's the problem, isn't it? I mean, it's fair enough if you're going to target a player and you're monster him, but if it becomes a dangerous play yeah. and and constant danger dangerous play that's not being picked up. Uh, then you've got a real problem. The game has to, the officials have to uh, clamp down on it. And I think the other thing is, it really hampers the Waratahs' attack when when they've got a second playmaker at twelve. Yep. But you know how that drives a yep. team yep. and how you structure a team. If he cuts, he if he is no longer a viable option there. Their the, the attack stutters. Exactly. Well, if you haven't if you haven't got 
But Kirtley, as you say, is a second ball player. So if you lose him, you haven't got that sort of the same player to come in. You've been training all week um, with with your second ball player, and you have, if you lose him, you sort of you bring another player in that's not hasn't got the same uh, abilities as Kirtley does. Well, it sort of just mucks your whole game plan up, and, and teams understand that. And, and, and are targeting him. If he gets cut down at that channel, which is, it's a tough channel, isn't it? I mean, Nathan Gray played it for years, so yeah, he's a smart fellow, you know him very, very well. Yeah. Uh, as a Marlins boy, that uh, he'd be working on, maybe on Kurtley's approach as well, mentally as well, in yeah. that channel, because you've got to really be switched on, haven't you? Yeah, if there's, if there's one guy that can help um, Kurtley mentally, it's you know, Nathan Gray. He's, you know, as, as you know, he's one of the most mentally strong players to play the game. So I know uh, Nathan's been working closely with Kirtley. Um, and, yeah, I think I think he's sort of... He's understanding now that the, that 12 position is is, uh, is tough. How do you... Kasia, before you just want to keep going that line, then if the, if the refs aren't fixing it, how do you fix it as a team? It's, it's a, it's a good, good question because you don't have control about what the opposition's mm. doing. Um, obviously... Uh, in defence, um, you know, I think they've been defending sometimes at the back, but in attack, there's not much you can really do because if you get hit late, you get hit late. Mm. You can't sort of, you can't play around that. Maybe if you play play away from him early, um, you know, get him into the game in other ways. Um, but it's difficult to plan because you, you're not, you don't understand what the other team are trying to do. You've got no control over what they're trying to do. Yeah, what are your thoughts about uh, the way the Aussie teams are going? You know, the, the Tars sort of first up. They're, uh, you know, they've cut, they've brought together quite a good uh, game plan at, at this stage of the season. Looks like they can uh, they can add on a few nuts and bolts to it too. Yeah, look, the Australian Conference uh, is you know the strongest I've seen it um, since all four teams have been involved. Uh, obviously, you've got the Brumbies uh, and the Waratahs going well, but you've also got. You know, the Rebels in the force are surprising a lot of teams. Uh, you know, it's surprising me in, in the way they're playing and, and the victories they're getting. Um, look, for me, I think still the Brumbies and obviously the Reds as well. Can't forget the Reds. But I think, <clears throat> for me, it's the two teams. I think the Brumbies and the Waratahs will be up will be up there um, come sort of the finals time. You know, Brumbies have, have added to what they've created in the last few years. Uh, under Steve Larkham now, they're probably a bit more expansive, but they've also got that hard edge to them. Um, probably wish they didn't have last week well they had it for the first 20 minutes but then switched off but they got that edge um, through Laurie Fisher with their set piece so I think they combine you know the set piece strategy and, and Steve Larkham's uh, you know ex- expansive play I think they're going to be there or thereabouts um, and the Waratahs I think from you know what they've done over the pre-season they're saying all the right things and they've come out the first you know three weeks um Obviously, last week was a bit of a mishap, but their first three games were, were pretty, were pretty good. Three or four games were pretty good, I thought. I caught up with uh, for seven uh, Israel Falau at the airport before he left, and he said he was eighty uh, percent. He took a hit on the throat, couldn't quite talk. He said there was some fractured cartilage in his throat as well. So um, he is worried if he cops another hit there that it will aggravate the injury and you know could end up being a lot worse. But he can talk now, so everything should be okay. But, gee, they missed him. <laughs> they missed him terribly. They missed... Obviously, you know, they've got a lot of... They've got a lot of uh, spark and pace in their attack. But they've got that... He's got X-Factor. You need X-Factor to win those games. Something to... Something... Or someone to turn something... Turns... Nothing into something. Nothing into something. <laughs> <laughs> 
Well, you're you know, right. Is he the best X Factor player in the world today? Oh, he's got to be up there. Mm. He's got to be up there. You know, you know, you can just hit, give the early ball to him, and he's going to create something for you. Um, you know, he scored eight tries in what four games. Mm. Um, so you take that out of your team, and you you got to try and find the score points from from other areas, and they probably struggle to do that on the weekend. Right. He's going to smash your record. Is oh, your record mate. under threat? What is it? Do you remember? Oh, ten or something. <laughs> he'll smash my record. I think. I think he'll. If he stays fit, he'll beat the uh, the whole the competition. Competition record. try scoring record. Yeah, oh, yeah it's, it's amazing, isn't it? And and for him to actually take that record, I think Kirtley's got to stay on the field, really, yeah. doesn't he? Because he does work a lot in they those work channels. Well, don't they? Just yeah. those inside channels there. You're drawing the defence a little bit apart, and uh, Israel Folau. Hopefully, he doesn't finish up with a voice like Darren Lockyer, but uh, <laughs> well, you, you never know. Oh, the hit, on, hit on the throat, but uh, yeah, listen, they're working together really well. Do you? And I think do, that's a good another good point, Cash. I think that's a good out for Kirtley. So if he gets in a bit of trouble, you know he's mm. always got um, yeah. Israel on the outside to, to get him out of tricky situations. So I think that he's that Curtly sort of missed Israel on the weekend. Yeah, yeah, that's uh, that's definitely right. Yeah, and that's the you know the thing about uh, that combination is that if they can develop it even more over the coming weeks, it, it becomes an option then for Australia. Yeah, agree, agree, definitely. I mean, yeah. how how would you see them develop? Like Curtly at twelve is something we've not really thought about. We're not talked about it that detail. No, we haven't. I'm not sure in terms of obviously international rugby. And I didn't play international rugby, but from what I've seen, it's obviously a step up in physicality. Mm. So I'm not sure how Kirtley would would uh, cope with the extra physicality at 12. Yeah. Um, but obviously, if he keeps performing, you know, he'd definitely be a, a viable option there. This might toughen him up, though. I mean, it's it's he's got to come through this some way. And if you look at it in the positive light. He might come through this as a harder player, a bit more of an edge to it. I mean, how did you respond when you copped, um, you know, the, the physical stuff? Yeah, you... yeah. Obviously, you know, it does. It does. Yeah, you know, probably gives you a bit of a. I know you went looking for it. Oh, I loved it. <laughs> <laughs> um, but obviously, you get hit a few times. It's yeah. definitely gonna. It's gonna toughen you up, and, and you sort of start changing your training mm. um, program just to get more hits into you. And as you've seen with Quade Cooper, you know that extra boxing work. It's sort of. He's become yeah. a bit more physical, just getting used to the hits. and Hasn't he come along, you know, just all of his life, you know, he, he got rid of some of the distractions around the edges and he's really uh, matured in a, in a, in a, to a, a decent um, worker on and off the field. Yeah, exactly. Well, you, you follow him on Instagram or Twitter and, mm. he's, you know, he's always out working, um, he's always training. He's um, always talking about training, isn't he? Yeah, no, he is. He's, uh, it's totally different. Um, you know, person from two or three years ago, you know, where he obviously was in a little bit of no man's land there, mm. but he's, you know, he seemed to got his got back on track, and obviously he's got a strict regimen in terms of his training and diet, and obviously I think the boxing's helped with his discipline and whatnot. Mm. And I think he's just a different, different player. Yeah, a little bit self-absorbed at times. I think yeah, a couple of years back, but definitely not now. With the Red Star, Huey, uh, you, f- I, I just feel something's missing. What are your thoughts? Yeah, totally agree, Cash. I just watched them on the weekend um, and they just seem to be, for me, they seem to be, they've lost that sort of spark they had when they won the competition. Mm. Um, you know, obviously they they rely heavily on Will and, and Quaid to create something, but when they don't create anything, it sort of looks like they've got nothing else to go back to. Um, so they just look a little bit flat and sort of one-dimensional at the moment. Um, and hopefully, you know, hopefully they can fi- fix it. But 
They're also, they're missing a lot of players as well. They're missing, you know, a, lot, a few midfielders and, and, and back three players, which can add that um, little bit of spark for them. But they just seem to be sort of in second or third gear at the moment. Yeah. The other thing is, uh, I thought the Rebels did a good job to win that game against the Brumbies, but I thought the Brumbies were, were poor for their standards. So much so that if you were following Laurie Fisher on uh, social media, you would have noticed that he tweeted a shot at about four in the morning walking past the <laughs> casino. Did you see that? Yeah. <laughs> Taking his punt there. So it obviously hit him hard because he's really passionate about the contact. He loves the contact area. And I think they got um, schooled there. And it just looked like the Brumbies. Hmm. Yeah, you don't want to say blokes don't put in every game, but there is a certain element of maybe just not sharp enough on the night, not focused enough. And the, and the Rebels, to their credit, uh, took advantage of it and came from behind and won the game. Won the game with a bit of style, actually, too. Yeah, sometimes they scored an early try early, mm. and it was quite easy. It was a first first play try, and sometimes when that happens, happens a lot. Guys just switch yeah. off. They think it's going to be an easy game, and you only have to be off, you know, a couple percent in those games, and it's going to come back to bite you. So I think, you know, they started really well. The Brumbies, they're all on the front foot. They got an easy try. I think maybe a few of the guys just dropped back a gear. And, you know, the, the Rebels hung in there, hung in there, kicked their penalties, you know, and scored some good tries to, to come away with the victory. What, what, what is the key about getting up for a game that maybe's not as, you know, hasn't got that edge or sexiness to it of, uh, say, uh, you know, you know, like a what, Munster to Lord, uh, yeah, Manly or whatever, yeah. Gordon. It's all that That's sort of stuff. You know, what, what do you say to the guys in the lead up <laughs> to that? You know, is it is it a different attitude? Is it about uh, is it about pride in your performance? You know, what, what is it? Yeah, to me, in those games that you think, I suppose you're supposed to win, and you think that are probably a little bit easier than others, you've got to uh, you've got to challenge guys individually rather than as a team, and give them goals that they have to achieve. I think, you know, yeah. in terms of if you speak about the whole picture with the whole group, you, you tend to get guys switching off. But I think if you speak to guys individually and give them certain roles and goals for those games, everyone's going to get up for a big game. But as you say, the littler games, you need to t- target and challenge guys individually to get them up for for those games. And, and it's so hard to be up for 20 re- you, weeks you in a row, really. In, you, you can't. You can't be in fifth gear yeah. every game. So you got to. You, you obviously got to, you know, work this guy and that guy and that's when your whole, your whole squad attitude comes in if you see a guy sort of getting tired you maybe give him a spell or because you, you know your reserve guy is always going to be chomping at the bit to get in there so that's when you've got to look at your squad and, and freshen guys up when you see yeah. it and, and just on that um, fifth gear for the whole year you can't even be at fifth gear for a game so yeah. in your fledgling coaching career have you worked out how to you know you and used to talk about um, uh, high attrition games we use up too much energy to win the game, yep. um, where you could actually have done it at eighty at eighty percent of times. You know, just to make sure that you, it's a, there's a long game here to be played, so you can't just burn yourself out. Uh, you you learning how to to use your your bench and your players effectively, so you're not just going one hundred percent all the time because you're going to burn yourself out. That's exactly right. So you got to look at it as you look at your obviously your starting fifteen. And if you see what's what's going to be better for your team, is your starting 15 at 70% or your reserve guy at 100%? And most times it's going to be your reserve guys because he's going to bring you energy um, and he's obviously keen and eager to, to play well. So you've just got to look at it as a squad thing and, and that's what's important of having, having a good, strong squad and having depth in your squad. Huey, back back onto the, uh, the Waratahs. One of the guys that I think has done superbly 
consistently well this year as Adam Ashley Cooper at 13. Mm. I think he's had a, an outstanding year, and he was he was one of the standouts from on, on the weekend when the going was pretty tough out there, yeah. wasn't it? Very confrontational defence. Yeah, it was one of the more physical games I've, I've watched in a while, and I thought, um, you know, I thought his ball carries were really strong. You know, he always got out of the gain line. Um, you know, he's just... He's always going to be... You can rely on Adam Ashley Cooper just to do his job. Um, and that's obviously why he's sort of played at the top level for so long. You know, coaches have confidence in him. Uh, the players around him have confidence in him. Um, you know, he's just a good, solid player. You know what you're going to get with Adam Ashley Cooper. And, you know, they're worth their weight in gold when, when selecting teams. Yeah, he certainly is. Now, we've talked about some of the teams in the competition. Have you been paying much attention to the Super Rugby while in Japan? Yeah, we have. Yeah, yeah, we always, uh, always, you know, looking for, for ideas and, and you know, for, for talent. And you know, we watch it. We watch it very closely. What have you noticed? Uh, we talked earlier in the year about trends, Casho, but um, a couple of um, um, matches in, any trends you see developing in the game that um, that might uh, kick on to later in the year as well? I think teams now are skillful from one to fifteen. Like you're seeing now, especially with the New Zealand teams. Everyone can catch pass. Mm. Everyone's everyone can run good lines. You know, you're seeing front rowers making you know running good lines, line breaks, catch pass. I think it's sort of going. Our skill level is going to another level, and I think that's where, um, you know, Australia can take their game as well. You know, we, we've we've sort of been brought I up. I think with the Waratahs have enhanced their skill level in the forward play, like you're talking about, like the Chiefs. You watch the Chiefs; it's just amazing. Like blokes yeah. who played in Casho's position. Are just nimble, you know, just the ball through the hands. It led to so many tries. Yeah. But, you know, I think the Waratahs, you've got to give the coaching staff credit there. They've upskilled their forward um, interplay during the match that, to, to, to be the equal, I think, of many All Blacks. Well, I, th- I think, and I think that's what's good. Like, as you say, interplay is, is, a, is a good word because they can create, the forwards can create so much. Like, obviously, you know, they or, or, Mm. Taught to come around the corner and, and you know hit the hit the defence really hard with their ball carries, but sometimes they come around just a little deft pass. That's that's easy gain line. You know when defenders don't expect, mm. say a uh, who we got Tatafu pulling yeah. out a pass, you know, a little little soft hands. The Canberra game was a great example of that. I know that the Brumbies won the match, but the Waratahs really. I mean, you know, tactically, you and always wanted to go to Canberra and play a real dour game. But the Waratahs went there and, and took them on, and you know they came close. They came. They had a big rally towards the end. But what I was really excited about was that the Waratahs forwards really ignited the game and forced the Brumbies defenders to defend unbelievably well because every guy could offload. Well, you got to you got to you got to force the defence to make decisions. Mm. So that if they if you're coming around the corner just one out, they're not making decisions. So it's pretty much who's who's the stronger. But if you come around the corner with with options. And you're making the defence make decisions. I think that's that's a big bonus. I think, as you say, the Waratahs are, are, are growing on that. You see the, the Brumbies have sort of brought that into their play a little bit. Um, and all the New Zealand sides, you know, the Chiefs the Chiefs do it very well. Mm. Probably no surprise why they're champions the last couple of years. Huey, one of the things we've seen in Super Rugby this year is the emergence of a few really quality Japanese players. Uh, the halfback at the Highlanders, the uh, the reserve hooker for the uh, for the Rebels, yep. those guys. Are we going to see more of that? Yeah, I, th- I think so, definitely. Uh, I know Eddie's very keen to get as many, uh, you know, the Japanese players to come out and, and play Super Rugby. Uh, I, I definitely think, you know, the players in Japan are, are developing really well. And I think it's also good... If they do come out, as you see, they haven't 
sort of, you know, they've given the, the Japanese rugby a good name by coming out here and playing. They haven't let anyone mm. down. Uh, you know, and their, their performances have spoken for themselves. So. Love the halfback. Yeah, he's very good. No, he's uh, he's both the halfback and the hooker changed. You know, they, obviously they won the championship with Panasonic this year, and uh, yeah, they're quality players. And obviously you've got Malesa out here now as well for the Rebels, who's uh, you know I think a world class centre. I think he really can be. Um, I've watched him. He plays for Yamaha in 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 Japan, but some of his footwork and ability to break the line and carry through the line is is really good. I know Eddie's got big raps on big raps on him. Uh, has Eddie got big raps on your coaching, maybe? Because I, I did ask him that a, a while back, and he was really impressed with your uh, transition. Because it's it's not easy for a guy to stop playing one minute and become a coach the next. Like, we've spoken to guys, and it is difficult. Yeah, I, I, it's probably more difficult than I thought as well. Um, you know, coming in or finishing last year to, to as you say, starting coaching straight away, there was probably still an, an exclamation mark um, from going from playing to coaching but now uh, you know probably six months in there's there's definitely a full stop there now you sort of you uh, think of training sometimes you're still playing but uh, you know now I fully understand that and I fully realize that you know I'm finished and that I, and I love coaching and you know it's it's obviously always learning and I learned a lot this year as well being my first year but you know I loved every minute of it what's your, what was your what's your biggest blunder can you tell us? Biggest blunder. Well, as a coach, like, did you try and come in the big man and tell uh, the boys what to do? Um, no, no, no. Uh, biggest blunder. Oh, give us something. I can't say I had a, a massive blunder, but <laughs> look, there's things you're learning every day. Um, I was lucky enough, obviously, to play with the guys, so I've got a good relationship with them. Uh, yeah, I know their strengths and weaknesses um, as players. That was probably a bonus in playing with them, mm-hmm. but then it's also trying to... Um, separate yourself from from them as your friends and and, and teammates to sort of i think that's a difficult thing isn't it yeah especially with the older older guys it was a bit more difficult but but um, Huey, the the personal transition is difficult to go from something that's that's enveloped your life for the best part of 20 or so yeah, years yeah. Uh, to do it professionally to do it very well to have the accolades on the field you know uh, you know when, when the cheering dies it can be hard, and Bronk, we've we've had a chat to a guy this this uh, this week, haven't we? Uh, Matt Dunning regarding uh, the transition from um, from from being a professional footballer to just a guy who's out there in the street in many ways. Yeah, yeah, and you know, it, it was difficult. You know, just giving up what a lot of people would consider a pampered lifestyle, and I, I don't mean this in a derogatory way, I mean this by um, your food's looked after, your, your accommodation, your kit, you never had to buy mm-hmm. anything. Mm-hmm. Like Ewan never bought any clothes. <laughs> and just wore his kit around everywhere. Are you saying he buys clothes now? No, no. no, no. <laughs> the, only, the only clothes he bought were those camouflage uh, pants. He loved those, And the Harley he? T. Harley, Harley oh, T. Did he actually pay for... I don't oh, know he, he, wouldn't, paid, he wouldn't have paid for that. Not for Harley T. Contra. See, that was a sight. So, and Ewan's in charge of the clothing, so... Um, but you get <laughs> everything... Wallabies, what are the, are the Wallabies wearing that this year in gold? Or? Oh, no, it was pretty funny, though. Ewan was wearing his number ones at the Super Rugby launch. He ran in the Greg Rowden, and Grado said, where'd you dust off that old number? And Ewan goes, oh, mate, it's uh, number ones. Oh, well, sorry. So um, <laughs> Ewan, Ewan didn't take that well. He just slapped around because the new number ones look pretty ordinary. Um, but we had some pretty good kit now, Dave. You used to straight around pretty good. Yes, I love it. Yeah, nice. No, I love the little bits and pieces. What are you wearing? What happens in Japan? They no, dress up. Uh, yeah, love it. We're uh, suit up. 
suit up mm. yeah, the nice little Dunhill suits so we oh, looked nice. after there and obviously Adidas look after us as well so yeah. we um, we looked after very well which is which is good yeah. nice and tight but, but Hugh, just 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 <laughs> back, just back to the question after getting railroaded <laughs> there by yeah. the bronc. Uh you know like there's almost a period of mourning in many cases after after the after the footy finishes isn't it yeah well I was I was lucky because I suppose I got straight into it so I didn't have time to sit back and, and reflect mm. as, as such but um, yeah, it's 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 definitely hard. Like from as a player, all you got to worry about is getting yourself right to turn up on Saturday. If you're right mentally, hopefully that um, you've done it and you've done it, and we go as a team. But now I've got to sort of concentrate on getting you know thirty guys mentally right and looking after thirty guys rather than just looking after myself. And mm. that and that's the challenge because everyone's different. I have to treat you differently than what I treat you. I hope so. Because you're maybe a bit more sensitive. <laughs> Big dog. <laughs> But no, no, it's, it's something I've, I've, you know, knew that I was probably going to get into uh, the last few years of my career, and that's why uh, one of the reasons I, I chose Suntory to, to learn and work under Eddie and you know, pick up some of his skills. Um, and then my last sort of year or two of, of playing in Japan, I was doing a little bit of coaching anyway with it, with our younger guys. So um, look, it's something that you know I love, and I love, I love, just love footy. So um, it's been great to sort of diverse. In the coaching. So, have you picked up all of Eddie's habits then, stink guy? I I haven't picked up any of his uh, not not his not his early morning. If like he's very he's an early riser yeah. and a late finisher. I try yeah. and sort of. Eddie gets up at five o'clock and then he just gets on the cycle and trundles. Yeah, <laughs> he no, trundles. Yeah. I have no idea if they ever helped him. <laughs> he, uh, he loved his he loved his trundle and his exercise yeah. bike. But, um, uh, no, I haven't. I've, I've picked up. What are the good? What are the good things that you'd pick up out of a case like Eddie? Oh, obviously his attention. His attention to detail is by far. I haven't seen anyone else like it mm. ever. Um, so just little things. Uh, you know, he texts me about a game, and I'll text him back, and he say, "Oh, you should look at this." Then he goes, "Oh, yeah, you're mm. right." You know, just obviously he's he's seen a lot of rugby. Um, you know, he's coached a lot of rugby. Just to have that experience to sort of you know ask questions it's, it's just you can't you can't ask for anything more than that to tell us a bit about japan uh preparations for rugby world cup after the next cycle in england uh how's it all going is is it fourth of the forefront there in a lot of people's minds uh probably in the in the rugby community yeah uh i think you know <clears throat> they're building in, in the right direction definitely also the, the the actual team um are developing well under eddie you know eddie's got uh, you know, a, a good core group of players now that he'll probably take through to that World Cup. He's got a really good SNC program under John Pryor, so you know they're they're becoming stronger, they're becoming bigger, quicker, so they can sort of start to match it now physically with other teams. You know, the, the style of rugby um, that Eddie plays is you know attractive and is a good style of rugby. So I think going forward, and you know, I know it's. You know, it's it's a while away, but you know they're, they're heading in the right direction. And I know the rugby community are starting to sort of get excited uh, about hosting the World Cup. It's interesting that um, Eddie Jones, uh, you know, decided that you know I'm going to see Japan all the way through, and whether it was just going to be, um, you know, just flogging a dead horse, so to speak, where you're just going to compete and, and not really challenge. Can Japan actually challenge the first tier nations? And I say that knowing that, remember in the World Cup in 03 in Australia? They were pretty impressive. And that was 10 years ago. 
uh, getting close to uh, well, ten, yeah, ten years ago. So um, uh, can they, as you say, they're getting physically better. Some players are coming as Super Rugby. Can they challenge by the time um, the next World Cup rolls around in Japan? I think that's that's the goal. Uh, obviously, the next World Cup will probably be a World Cup mm. too early, but I think the Japan will, uh, the World Cup in Japan. I think. That's obviously what they're targeting in terms of a really, really good performance. And as I said, the way they, if they keep developing the way they're, they're developing now, I think they're you know, a strong chance. And you can see Eddie's obviously trying to, he's playing more bigger teams, or he's playing the All Blacks, he's playing Wales. So he's, he's attracting uh, these type of teams to give uh, you know, his, his group of players that he's got now experience. And that's exactly what that's, they've got. To, they've got to understand where they're at so they can improve. And Eddie's doing that really well. And I think if anyone's going to do it, Eddie will do it. Can I ask you about um, a couple of players? Uh, the news that broke today, we were um, just about to set up a record with Andrew Fafita not going to the Bulldogs and Rugby League, his contract uh, not going through, and he was quoted the weekend saying that he wished he'd signed with rugby. I mean, if you look at a guy like him who had a bit of a rugby background as a, as a kid, um, wonderful ball-playing player, uh, what are your thoughts about him if he wanted to uh, make a fist of it in rugby? I know Ewan was keen. Yeah, well, just just watching the the way he plays, I think I think um, you know he'd be a welcome addition to rugby. Uh, he's obviously he's saying all the right things. He's obviously played he's played rugby before. Uh, he obviously wants to come back and play rugby. Um, but just his style, I think yeah, as you say, he's ball carrying. He's mm. you know, second to none. He seems to do it for eighty minutes in rugby league. So. I think uh, you obviously have to make some adjustments, but I think he'd be a, a good addition to rugby. All right, so what about Benji Marshall playing with the Blues? Mm. And we've talked about this. I, I was critical of the Blues for throwing him at 10 and trying to push him through at 10. And even Falau, when they spoke after their trial game, said, mate, you probably should play at 15 and see how it goes. So is that sort of reduced, in your opinion, being an expert in both positions, that uh, he may have... Uh, retarded his development in the in the Super Rugby transfer from league to union, uh, reduced his capability to make an impact earlier. I think so. Yeah, mm. I think I think the easiest position to play is fifteen. Now don't say that. How <laughs> <laughs> many guns can play fifteen? Fin <laughs> But it all unfolds in front of you. Yeah. So you get to sit back um, and just watch everything unfold. Attack. You can come into the game when you want. Uh, defense, you're obviously at the back, you watch everything. I think 10's very hard. I think 12 is probably another position where it's probably one of the, it's probably after 15 where you could probably slot into, mm. but I'm not sure physically whether he's up to that. 13's difficult to play, it's the hardest place to defend. And blind and wing, you're always involved in you know blind wing, open wing. So there's a lot to think about there. I think 15 is you know pretty much where you're going to be first phase every time. You just sit back, come into the game, and then in and out of the game when, when you see fit. And you just you can just learn. Everything happens in front of you. So having said that, um, if he gets to play a bit more game time there, do you think he's going to nail it? I think he's got potential to, yeah. I think, <clears throat> obviously, he was thrown to the deep end a little bit, thrown into the 10, and they obviously hoped that he would have picked it up quicker than he has. But I think if they just took their time... Um, give him time at 15. He might be able to be seeing, you know, the fruits of labour now. He can probably jump into 10 now. But he's sort of maybe mentally now struggling in terms of what am I supposed to be doing here? Whereas yeah. if you just gave him a spot, stay at 15, learn your trade, 
and then we'll put you in the front line when we see fit. Yeah. Just back on the Fafita idea, and we spoke about this a bit early in the show about uh, about a, a Japanese club uh, tag teaming with the with a Super Rugby team. Are you expecting a, a a text from Eddie saying, "Mate, get down to Cronulla and have a chat with this bloke for me"? Oh, I think uh, yeah, I'd, yeah, it's probably probably more above my head in terms of recruitment. But uh, look, yeah, no, I think he lives out at Belmore. Does he? Yeah, so. Yeah, go that He's way, mate. Bulldogs, Bulldogs, <laughs> Bulldogs are pretty happy with him. No, look, yeah, I'd say there's definitely options over there for him. Um, I don't think we're talking to him, but, um, you know, that, that'd be silly for them not to have a look at him. As I said, it'd be, it'd be quite damaging if he picked up, you know, the little breakdown skills and the scrum and line-out skills, but his ball carrying and general mobility would be would be very handy because you are looking for someone to replace georgie smith we are that's, uh, that's that's a big hole oh, in any yeah. roster big, big hole it is you're right more ways than one yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well the other guy who's uh, going to make a highly anticipated conversion is sam burgess going to bath and probably play for england um and might uh, have a lash at making the 2015 world cup I think he'll make it because he's just an unbelievable talent who, when he's given the opportunity, can become a bit of a ball player as well. Les Kiss was on the show a few weeks ago saying that uh, he'd probably play him at 12. I probably agree with that. Uh, your thoughts, forwards or back line? I think eventually, I think eventually he'll be in the back row. Um, excuse me. I think, uh, I'm not sure, I haven't seen enough of him play, but uh, I'm not sure whether he's got the speed and, and, and actual actual. I know he's got probably a little. He's got an offload part game, but it's not bad in terms bad. of his passing game. You don't see it as much as you probably would like, but um, but he ha- he has got it. I read a report that they're trying to make him. They they said that they want him to play back row now. Is that is that correct or? Well, I think yeah, they'd like him to, but um, you know what happens when you get over in the environment. You, you have a look at him, and mm. maybe they'll change the, their minds. But you know, um, well, the best his best attribute is he's, he's a competitor. He mm. wants to win everything he does. He wants to win. So if he's carrying the ball, you can just see that in him. He wants to. He wants to win. If someone runs at him, he wants to. Destroy them. Destroy them. <laughs> One of the things with all these guys is don't expect miracles yeah. straight away because it does. Rugby is a lot more complicated yeah. game. Rugby league is its simplicity is yeah. one of its beauties, its strengths in yeah. many cases, and there's a lot more nuances. Even the different way that you tackle guys in rugby, yeah. you tackle them in different ways in different so situations. Your pass, your and passing's passing, yeah. different. Yeah. So that's uh, that's one of the hardest things to get onto. Yeah. And Benji talked about that and his alignment. Um, he, he said uh, in that trial game that he thought he was uh, too flat, but I actually thought he was too deep. But I think he mixed up his idea of, of the flatness part of it because he was thinking about the defensive line coming up so quickly. Mm. Yeah. But you actually have to engage that. You, exactly. You've got to be up there and, and take it on. And that's uh, I think that's why it was difficult for him. I just think it was a wasted opportunity because I think Benji by now could have been giving us some noise like Israel Folau. Like Folau playing at fullback allowed him to settle into the game as you talked about yep. and absolutely destroy it. There is no one, and it's he's forced teams, and you look at this in your calculations as a coach uh, when you look at an opposition, no one now is brave to put the ball up no. because they know he's going to take it and hit it hard and probably score at the other end. <laughs> He's the best in the world at taking the high ball. Isn't he amazing, isn't he? Unbelievable. Well, you, do you think, oh, don't kick it to him. <laughs> You're wasting your time, mate. Yeah, like, Normally it's a 50-50, but with, with him it's sort of... 
Well, that's ha- he's, the single guy is changing strategies then for the for the opposition yep. who maybe like to kick it. We well, hear the Reds when they play the Waratahs yeah. how they're you know, talking about not kicking to him. It's impossible not to not to kick to someone. Like they're gonna you're gonna find him either way. You kick to the winger, he gives him an early pass. Yeah. Like, it's very difficult not to find someone when you kick them, kick to the ball to them. Yeah, exactly. Um, thoughts on how a couple of our old mates are going? Ben Robinson, uh, you know, he's been in and out of the side, and and, and but has has responded as he's been used to before. I mean, I know he's been given the rough end of the pineapple a few times, even by Ewan McKenzie, but he's responded. Is uh, Ben Robinson still going to be a force? You think so? I think, as I spoke to you about before, with the way that the game's going, like he's got that nice. He's a good runner. He can catch pass. Beautiful pass. Um, so I think he gives that to. In, um, he gives you that aspect to the game in terms of set piece and scrummaging. You're probably um, talking to the wrong guy. Yeah. Well, he's he's got to be one of the best Lucy's the scrummage. Well, he certainly made a difference about. when he came on against the Rebels and yeah, he did scrum well against the Springbok Pack on the weekend, didn't he? Well, so. Amazingly, Cache did well against the Lions and got dropped afterwards. Yeah, and we're still scratching our heads over. Link, what are you doing? Um, so and you know, team's always better with Cat in it. You gotta have the cat on the side. Eh? Well, you've you gotta have him definitely in the side after uh, after match. He's always got something nicely lined up, nice uh, little wine bar. <laughs> <laughs> Given what you saw the weekend from the Sharks, are they your number one team in the Southern Hemisphere? Uh, or Chiefs? I think the, I think the Chiefs are yeah. still up there. I think I think it's going to come down to uh, there's two teams in every every conference that I think will we'll go to the end. Uh, you got the Chiefs and the Blues, mm. I think. From New Zealand, I think you've got the Waratahs and the Brumbies from Australia, and you've got the Sharks and Bulls from South Africa who are going to fight it out for those spots. I can't really see anyone um, other than those six teams um, winning. And I think essential is to finish 1-2, which is what yep. Michael Checker from Waratahs' perspective has yep. said. Got to finish 1-2 so we get the uh, the rails run through, uh, through, the, uh, through the finals. That's yep. going to be absolutely critical. Could you imagine playing the Sharks <laughs> oh dear. at home in a final? It would oh, be yeah. horrendous. And uh, it was a fair bit of chat too there from yeah. uh, Jake nice... White, chipping him afterwards. <laughs> yes. um, so he loves that banter, Jake White. Uh, I actually think the Brumbies are still the number one team in Australia. And I, I say that because what I saw in their game against the, uh, the Hurricanes and also against the Waratahs was a bit of uh, the classic Brumbies of old very well drilled and the defence was outstanding against New South Wales and you know, I think the, I'm looking forward to catching up with him in a couple of weeks time Casho, when we go to Canberra and see Pat McCabe because um, he's been amazing Pat McCabe was for all intents and purposes finished but he's going out there and he's smashing blokes well, one thing about Paddy McCabe this year that I've noticed is he's actually distributing the ball a lot more now so he, mm. before he was just a, a hard runner direct runner uh, and he gets you out of the game line, but now he's got he can actually he's developed his passing game. So it's, as I said before, it's sort of keeping that defence in two minds. I think obviously he's worked with yeah one of the best passers to ever oh. play the game in Steve Larkham. So um, and credit know, there, Huey, because uh, when I went down pre-season at the end of last year, that rainy day, we did a story on uh, Stephen Larkham and Laurie Fisher about their coaching setup because it is a unique one. It's um, basically two co-coaches yeah. of the side uh, and they're making it work which is a really interesting prospect um, but Pat McCabe in that session was playing fly half so 
early last, late last year, they were seeding the possibilities of uh, Paddy McCabe being a bit more of a distributor as well. So not only did they try, but it's actually working. Yeah, no, it is. Well, Which it says something about uh, your skill development doesn't end after you finish school, really, does no. it? You've got to work on it. Hmm. Constantly, constantly. You know, you know. Look, look, look at the good teams. You know, the the Randwicks of old. What did they used to yeah. play? Touch yeah. football, just pass the ball through the hands. They they used to do a, a drill which involved a, a raw egg, and if you drop mm. the egg, you know, you had to do laps around yeah. the over, all that sort of stuff. It was all skill development, and it never stops, nor should it. So, and given that, uh, Peter, when you you know, because Eddie was was famous for you know the regimented training, you know, uh, and and I know Japan they like training sometimes better than playing. You know, it's that that you've got to put in. How have you managed to um, to convince your players that you know you've got to win these games and get the right mix of flogging yourselves at training and then performing on game day? Yeah, I think I suppose from from my point of view, Suntory, um, you know, through Eddie. So about, what's the what's the structure there now, coaching wise? Um, well, there's there's obviously a head coach who um, who worked under Eddie. It was a forward coach under Eddie, mm. um, who's who's the head coach. Um, there's myself, um, another forwards coach, and a defensive coach. Mm. Um, and obviously we've got three S and C guys as well. But um, so how did then you do you because there's a cultural thing in Japan about training hard. Yeah, we as I said, luckily we we've, we've had Eddie. He set the he set the program up probably uh, four or five years ago, and he set it up to run like a super rugby program. So we don't actually hear obviously the horror stories of teams training for two or three mm-hmm. hours. Well, you know through Eddie we we trained. Did you much. experience that in the early days? No, I missed it. No, because it was all at um, Suntory. Yeah, but other clubs had that. Yeah, so Eddie's Eddie's got it running very very well and like a super rugby program. So he sort of um, you know we've. When Eddie moved on, the, yeah, the, the new the new coach just sort of pretty much kept Who's running. Who's the coach? Uh, Ockerball. Yeah. What, so and what what's uh, what, what's his standing in the game over there? He is uh, the first professional rugby uh, union player in Japan. He actually played for Southland. Um, played over 100 caps for Suntory. Yeah, so he's a bit of a Suntory legend. Yeah. Um, and yeah, he learned his trade under Eddie. Yeah. Um, and he's now sort of taken over the reins. So. Um, yeah, look, it's it's difficult, but because you got to you got to pretty much tell the guys to get off the field rather than come and train, yeah. which is a good thing. Yeah, but it's also sometimes you you mentioned Panasonic winning the comp yeah. uh, um, last last season. How are, how are Suntory placed this year? Um, are, are you better? Um, what's what's going to be the go? Yeah, well, look, you know, we obviously we've we've won the championship, uh, not previous three years so um you know it was a bit of an eye-opener for us as well losing the final this year you know obviously it showed us some points that we need to change and that we need to evolve and add to our game you know obviously the more you win the more teams are going to look at you and and study you so you've got to actually change with the times as well and we'll probably caught a little bit short there this year so we'll sort of go back and and you know add things to our game which will take us to another level and hopefully uh Returns to number one. Mm. And Sonny Bill's back in the game next year too, and he'll probably just pick off, pick up where he left off. Yeah, I saw a picture of him the other day as well. He's uh, <laughs> he's in good condition as well, isn't he? Unbelievable. <laughs> the, the well, the uh, major league baseballs are out, and they just yeah. God damn, look at this guy. <laughs> 
And when they had a photo shoot with the roosters, and um, it was it was a photo shoot that um, uh, probably uh, got so much airtime. Mm. It was just uh, there was Sonny Bill Williams, well, Alessandro no, no, like Del Piero. Yeah, well, I think um, basically it was um, it's a bit of a no, double booking for yeah, Israel. Yeah, there was no no Israel. There was no opportunity for the Waratahs to be there, so they desperately wanted to be there. But okay. um, but with now Israel Folau, they they basically said no. Which is a shame because that photo travelled everywhere. Yeah, it was massive. It was on the front page of New was, York uh, Times, the LA, LA Times. If you hadn't uh, seen it, uh, well, they had the two Major League Baseball games here in Australia. So we had the Diamondbacks, as Casho said, and uh, the LA Dodgers. Dodgers. And the photo shoot was uh, the players, of course, uh, Alessandro Del Piero. So there's no need to explain who he is in the world of uh, football. Um, of course, uh, Sonny Bill Williams. Clayton Kershaw from the uh, the best pitcher in the world at the moment for the LA Dodgers and Paul Goldsmith pretty close to MVP and, for the and Diamondbacks and of course uh, Adam, Goods Adam Goods from the Sydney Swans absolutely so, yeah just ama- and they were all kitted up in their, their yeah. proper playing kit so but yeah Sonny Bill was the one that he, he was the one who attracted most attention especially when he had that bat in his hands <laughs> <laughs> yeah and, uh, but he was a game changer too wasn't he when because he he was just popping the ball out like that. Everywhere and no one could defend it. Well, you had you had you, you obviously speak to your blind wingers and, and whatnot. You just say follow Sonny Bill. Yeah. You, know, you get a lot of second phase play off him. He's always got yeah. an arm free. Yeah. Once he's behind, once you're behind that sort of game line, you're you're in trouble, especially when when the All Blacks are playing the way they are. Well, I think it's a good thing because when someone does something like that, you go, we better try and uh, up our game. Hmm. You know, you, you sure you look at some. You want to be ahead of the, the opposition at some point. But geez, you got you got to catch up at some point as well, don't you? And with skills like that, I know it's a great skill. But you know, we just talked about Paddy McCabe doing more training and got and the Waratahs upskilling with their forward play. It can be done. It can be, yeah. But he's uh, some yeah. of his some of his skills are you know are very very rare. Um, you know, he holds a, holds the ball like it's a, a tennis ball, yeah. which which makes it very easy and. Huey, how, how does the National Rugby Championship sit with everybody up in, in Japan? Is it something that you'd use as a development tool to, for guys to get a bit of exposure and head back and be better players in, uh, for Suntory Panasonic? Yeah, it's, 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 we haven't actually spoken about it, but it's definitely something I've thought about. Um, just obviously being home now and, and reading up, um, you know, reading about more details about the NRC, you know, it could be a possibility where you know, we could eventually send guys over to, to develop them and, and get them used to some, some different rugby. Um, uh, obviously, they'd be, they'd be playing for the uh, the mighty Northern... North Harbour Rays. North Harbour Rays. Oh, yeah, as long as the Marlins are involved there somewhere. <laughs> the Rays. We had uh, your pictures of the Rays a few weeks ago when we were showing uh, with um, Ben Whitaker and uh, a lot of uh, celebration shots. It was a pretty good... Um, it just cost too much back then. I'll, I'll always say it was some of the most enjoyable rugby... It was, and it was great to watch great. too, Pete. And it's not you're not the only one. That you know, obviously, uh, got some people that have told me watching games with the new rules. We mm. had you know new rules involved. It was just it was a great play. It was a good combination between your professional players and your guys that went to work. And you just you could it was just a great mix because you understood what they're going through mm. to get to the next level. And it was just you know some of the most enjoyable rugby on and off the field I've, I've ever been experienced. I think Ian Payton from the Telegraph reported over the weekend that something like 42 players from that competition well, went I'm, through to actually play uh, play Wallaby rugby. Mm. So it's a great... Uh, and that's what great. it's about. Look, that's 
you speak about the big deals in Europe, you're going to lose. You're going to lose your players overseas. But the thing is, being able to recover from that, like you see the All Blacks, they lose. You know, they lose some of their best players, but then someone else just steps in, mm. like they're there all the whole time. And that's something we've got to get to. If we lose players, we've got to get that next level pushing, so we don't have that big hole in yeah. our system. So as you can see, the title is uh, Sun Rises 187. That's a play on the land of the rising sun and a son of Eddie, Peter Hewitt. <laughs> hey? John O'Neill used to be, John O'Neill's son was John Eels. <laughs> Michael Foley's son was, oh, and their dad was John, uh, John Connolly. And um, I don't know, I'm not going to say Who's that. Who's yours, mate? I, I don't know. It can't be Link. <laughs> son of Link. <laughs> son of Link, Look out. Um, so that's the reason for the title, and uh, I think Peter wanted to change it, but it took me too long to do the graphics, <laughs> so I wasn't going to change it before he came in. Mate, it's great to see you here, another Inverell boy. Yep, great to uh, be here. Rugby's still going strong in Inverell, which is great to see, and country rugby, and the country boys are involved too with the Western uh, Rams. What are they called? Greater, Greater Sydney, Sydney Rams. Rams. Greater Sydney Rams, and Randwick involved there somehow. New South Wales country. A link up with New South Wales mm. country, of course, Bronx. Yeah, yeah. That's what you said, isn't it? What do you mean? Now, Randwick are involved. I said country. Did you? Good yeah. on you. Well, well, did you just switch off or something? <laughs> Cash cow. <laughs> Some coffee in here, Cash please. cow, just tell us a brief about your business again. Cash Cow Media Solutions, Bronk. If you Your need a, if you right. need a solution to any sort of media problems, whether it's Your camera's uh, right to the right whether it's the barrel, uh, uh, yeah, straight down the barrel. If you need a um, if you need a problem to any of your uh, media inquiries, publishing, uh, media management, uh, websites, you name it, I can do it. Good price too, Bronco. If check. you guys want any Suntory whiskey or beer, uh, <laughs> well, where yeah. is it? I'll sort you out. Don't All right. Is it any good? Beautiful. Absolutely. You know when Johnny Walker blew me? Mate, I've got a bottle sitting under the desk there, actually. Got some better stuff than that for you, mate. All right, Beautiful okay. whiskey. Sometimes. How's it go with the uh, Coke and the ice? Beautiful. We don't have um, more better with Pepsi. Pepsi. Okay. Beaver should be on the whiskey soda. too. Soda, whiskey and whiskey and soda. Beautiful. Lovely. Get Beaver on the whiskey, mate. It's good. Medically, it's good. <laughs> I think he might be off it now. All right. Yeah. <laughs> uh, he didn't. Like, he didn't mind a beer, uh, Eddie. And so uh, once again, our thoughts are always uh, with Eddie uh, as he um, recovers uh, from a stroke, and uh, and of course uh, Pierre Wepu as well which um, you know is stunning he played three games after he had a, that minor stroke but I guess a stroke's a stroke and they found a little hole in his heart so which led to it um, so he'll have surgery and you know um, whether or not he gets on the paddock in a pretty good capacity we don't know but the important thing is that uh, he'll be around for the family so which is great I was watching some stuff the vision of him at the TV um, uh, New Zealand television where after the World Cup final in 2011 just a great emotional scenes there it's like you know, we wanted to win it, but gee, I'm so happy that they won it because uh, some great, great heroes Bronk, of the game. Bronk, I can remember going to the dinner mm. 36 hours later and he was still very emotional at that stage yeah. too. <laughs> Absolutely. All right, Pete, great to awesome. see you, man. Thank you very much. Peter Hewitt, to um, thanks, Thank you very great much. fullback from Inverell, the Waratahs, of course, uh, coaching at Suntory, and uh, I guess they still think of you uh, fondly at London Irish. Do you keep in touch? Certainly do, yeah. Follow the boys uh, closely. I uh, had a probably you know, tough couple of years, but mm. I'm, I'm sure they'll uh, fight back. They've just sort of, club's gone through a little bit of an ownership change, so 
hopefully things will be on the up from now on. All right. So, and of course, uh, as we mentioned, it's Heineken Cup quarterfinals this weekend, and uh, we're looking forward to seeing that in action. And great to hear that we're almost there with the deal. And the European game is going to be pretty big going forward. Big deal. Good to see money going to the players as well. That's uh, important. You do uh, put your bodies on the line, Pete. And uh, still looking pretty good. Yeah, not too bad. Trying to do a little bit. On the, I'm on Eddie's program. So You're not as fit as Matt Dunning, but... Uh, <laughs> hey? I'm on the strider and on the bike, man. Uh, looking really good. We'll bring you some pics uh, and an interview with uh, Matt Dunning over the next couple of weeks. Uh, truly extraordinary story. And as Casho alluded to... Um, you know, the difficulties that Matt had in adjusting from playing uh, just to being a punter in the street. Um, you know, it's something that, that uh, generally the, the game looks after people with education, but exiting a player from the game is a serious thing to look at, mm. you know. Um, and uh, I think, um, you know, he's, he's really in a good space now, isn't he, Casho? Yeah, listen, from what he was saying in all our interviews, Bronk, he's, uh, he's in a good place. He looks absolutely tippy-top as, uh, as we've seen him around the place. So. All right, nothing else you want to plug? No, that's it. What about you, mate? No, I'm Are not. Are you added ass kid on? Yeah, added ass, always added ass. All right, okay, Santori. Adidas, very good. Looking forward to that. <laughs> <laughs> and good luck when you're going to see the family. Going to see the family, heading up to Brisbane. Queensland. Uh, tomorrow, so see mum and dad and my sisters and off to Hamilton Island for a few days and oh, nice. try and get a bit of sun. Yeah, you're looking a bit pasty there, mate. I mean, it's just coming out of a Japanese winter, mate. <laughs> lots of snow this year. Uh, very good. All right, there he is, Peter Hewitt, joining us here in the studio. Good to see you, mate. Make your way down to Maroubra all the way uh, from uh, the northern beaches. You stay in the northern beaches? Yes. Uh, okay. Yeah. Always. Yeah, always. All right, that is it. 187 Rugger Matrix Sunrises. Let's hope that uh, Suntory uh, does Peter Hewitt proud next season. That is it for Rugger Matrix International 187. Thanks to Strike and mybean.com.au. Go to their websites to check out your deals. They're pretty good. Until next week, we'll see you in rugby land. Land of the rising sun. I got those amas. <laughs> <laughs>